Good evening and welcome once again to the Lotus Flower Podcast. As you can see here on the screen, this is season number 24. I'm sorry, this is season number three, episode number 24. And I am returning from a month-long sabbatical. I took the entire month of August off for sabbatical, and now I'm back with my second guest this evening for the Lotus Flower Podcast. My lifelong friend, her name is Dr. Joyce A. Brown, and I will be telling you more about her uh, shortly. I want you to know that here at the Lotus Flower Podcast, we are a podcast that is here to empower, equip, and encourage you in your daily walk. I want you to know that I have with me a pot of jewels. And tonight, just like all of my other guests, tonight I have with me a very special woman that I consider a jewel. You see all these jewels that are in this box? My guest is multifaceted. She has done amazing work in the community, owning her own business, completing a PhD, one of the highest degrees in the land that many African-Americans ascribe to matriculate to. But I would tell you only roughly 20% of African-Americans actually earn a PhD. And I have with me tonight a woman that's very accomplished. Her curriculum vita, it is just, I'll tell you, outstanding. She is a precious jewel. All these different colors in this beautiful bowl represent all the different multifaceted sides of her character, her personality, and in her career. None other than my friend, Dr. Joyce A. Brown. Before I tell you a bit more about her, I want to share with you the screen. And it is an article that she wrote for a magazine called Garden Spaces. And I believe that this is a magazine that she writes for continuously. So I'm going to share the screen with you at this time. As you can see, Ms. Joyce A. Brown is a motivational speaker and author who uses her creative energy to give voice and meaning to the challenges women face in all walks of life. She grew up in Rockford, Illinois in a household of strong women but her professional career expanded her reach into Peoria and Battle Creek, Michigan. She is a proud member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and has served as a direct services worker, executive director, program director for major foundation and entrepreneur. Dr. Brown 
has experienced many uplifting moments as a professional and as a dedicated parent and strives to bring those events and lessons to the life of others through her character in a contemporary fiction novels she pens. And you may reach out to her via her email, which will be included in the podcast link. Tonight, Dr. Brown and I will talk about a topic of community and the importance of developing community. According to Dr. Brown, as a person who has moved from Illinois to Michigan and back to Illinois, the first dozen or so people that I met set the tone for me to view the place as a welcoming space. My focus is on communities that are rich in history and tradition, as well as the amenities beyond mandated government services. I research information about race, religion, church denominations, cultural amenities, healthcare, and tolerance. These aspects of community are entwined, faith, family, supporting, loving, and guiding. When my children lived at home, the list included teachers, social workers, youth leaders, and safe environments. According to Ms. Jones, to Dr. Brown. The world is changing. Actors may emerge, play a vital part in the community building and leave and then move on. Turnover makes way for innovation and new people to add social impact. It also is crucial for people to identify as leaders to make room at the same table for others to engage in community impact. Disengagement benefits all and depicts and depels the notion that only a few heroes exist. There are heroes all around us. If we only invite them to participate in the community building, every day people who care about the community and their willingness to build on its rich heritage can be witnessed if only we open our eyes to it. The community thrives when we enlarge the number of stakeholders. Once again, my special guest tonight is none other than my lifelong friend that I've known over 30 plus years, Dr. Joyce A. Brown. And I am elated to bring her to the screen at this time. Good evening, Dr. Pamela. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you on this podcast tonight. I am truly honored to be with you. You are so welcome, Dr. You are so welcome. I know I have introduced you and I've read just a brief bit of your bio, but I want you to tell my listening audience who you are and why do you do what you do? Well, I tell people that um, I was a young girl whose family immigrated from the South. Uh, my family is from Arkansas and I was actually born in Rockford, Illinois. 
And my family would be what everybody considers strivers. They wanted their children to have better educational opportunities, uh, to have better employment opportunities, and to be free to explore who they were. Mm -hmm. So in the early days, um, what we now call you know, still segregation, redlining, mm -hmm. over the tracks, all of that. I lived that. Mm -hmm. And so when you're living in something, you don't see it from a research perspective. Mm -hmm. But what we saw was that anybody could discipline you, mm -hmm. which meant that you had to learn manners mm -hmm. and you had to know that you were part and of a community. From the beginning, uh, you were expected to do well in school, mm -hmm. and anybody could ask to see your report card. That's good. Uh, you know, and mm -hmm. so as we grew older, uh, the sorting and the sifting started. You know, mm -hmm. this group is going to college, this group is going to trade school, this group is going to the service. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to be going somewhere. Mm -hmm. There was none of this, oh, poor baby, you just not cutting it. So you go sit down in the corner. Community <laughs> said everybody had to participate in some way, some fashion. That's church, uh, when you went to church, it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you had a talent, the church took advantage of it. You didn't say, oh, I don't feel like, you know, I was not a singer. So thank God I didn't have to Okay. to sing, uh, but, you know, but I could do public speaking or I could introduce the guest speaker for the event. And so people began to operate. And so all of my life, I have moved from that vantage point of growing up in a community of Southerners who were making their way in the North and mm -hmm. um, seeing tremendous progress and also seeing tremendous losses and and the horrible things that did happen uh, to some people. And so that's really how I came to be. That's what I tell people, you know, from those humble roots. That's that's me. Yes, and from your extensive curriculum vita that I have before me, I as I read it, I I I've known you for a while, but I never knew all of the work that you've done. And it just spans a great spectrum from starting off, starting off with your bachelor's degree and then going all the way up to your PhD. And you've done a variety of, of service-oriented uh, work, as well as community work, as well as an author. You have various recommend, various awards and recognitions and professional membership. Um, I'd like to share a few, if you don't mind, um, from the Battle Peak community where you uh, lived and worked for quite some time, where we where we met. In the Battle Peak community, you served at the Battle Peak Public Schools as a trustee. You have served the Michigan Association of Evaluators and, and Board of Directors. You have uh, served as the Binder Park Zoo Board of Directors member. You have served the Battle Creek Area Math and Science Center Public Advisory Board as a member. 
you have um, actually served at the Kellogg Youth Development Seminars. You have served at the YWCA Board of Directors in Battle Creek, Michigan, and it spends just more and more and more. I wanted to mention that, and I want to mention others because I want to actually just pay pay honors to you. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. You paved the way for me. As I'm sitting here in this chair, when I remember when I lived in Battle Creek, Michigan, I was just in awe of you. I was a young single mom and I was trying to finish my master's degree. And I would just hear all about, it was a small little town, so it wasn't mm-hmm. so no hard to hear about the movers and shakers. And you were one of them. And I tell you, I was like, man, I am so proud of this lady. And now to have you sitting in front of me tonight, I am honored, Dr. Brown. I am so honored. And I want you to know that. I want to share a little bit more about some of your awards and recognition, okay? I know you're a humble woman. You probably want me to share this, but I'm going to. <laughs> you also um, were awarded the National Association of Advancement of Colored People NAACP Rosa Parks Award in 2011. You were awarded the National Sojourner Truth Award in 1997. You were awarded the the Michigan Women's Commission Award from the State of Michigan Department of Civil Rights in 1994. And you were awarded the National Alliance of Black School of Education Award in 1993. And that only is a few of the awards that you earned. And I am just so proud of you, Dr. Brown. So proud of you. Thank you so much for paving the way for women like me. Well, thank you. Thank you for mentioning those things. And I I always tell people that the person receiving the award is not the only person who did those things. The one thing that I learned about community, and, um, and, and I hold it dear, is that everybody plays a part. Mm-hmm. Some people get more recognition even than they deserve. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get recognition that they deserve. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to be that humble okay. um, because I did work hard. But the things that happened, the things that changed in Battle Creek, Kalamazoo, Albion, all of those communities was because often it was women coming together. And that's not to shortchange men or or to be cast as something negative. But one of the great outcomes of the women's movement was that people really began to pay more attention to Black women. Because if you look at the civil rights struggle, you look at anything that happened in this country, Black women were always a part of it. They were always the movers and the pushers, and yet they didn't get the credit because the country was really into pushing men. And so actually, I just kind of came along at a time when women were given more representation and permitted to actually take leadership roles that had been denied them before. Uh, So I am grateful for the time that I spent in Battle Creek. 
I am just elated with the numbers of women that I see now in real leadership roles. When I moved to Battle Creek in 1987 as the director of the Urban League, often I would be sitting at tables where I would be the only woman around the table and the rest of the room was men. Um, and if you know anything about small towns, most of those were white men. And so I had to learn to assert myself in a way that allowed people to hear me, to understand me, and to be able to bring about change for other people in the community. So again, um, I lived in Battle Creek and Kalamazoo um, over 30 years and really got to see things change. And now to see women easily moving in uh, leadership roles, you know, as heads of schools, heads of hospitals, heads of universities, things that 30 years ago just simply didn't exist in, in those two communities. And it's, it's wonderful. That's good. That is so good to hear. You also have established the Organizational Development Solutions, a consulting firm that specialized in enhancing the effective management, governance, and leadership capacities of organizations through program development, evaluation, assessment, and training. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why did you go about developing that, Dr. Brown? Okay. Well, actually, um, as I was um, finishing up my doctorate at, at Western Michigan, uh, which was, you know, in research and measurement and evaluation and organizations, uh, I began to really see a real need for someone who could work with people at what we used to refer to as the grassroots level. I, mm -hmm. I don't like that term, but it's a term that people understand. Mm -hmm. And these are generally people who have great ideas, but don't necessarily have the full range of skills necessary to bring those ideas to fruition. I see. And I felt that I had the skills. I had been a direct service worker. I had, you know, run a couple of organizations. I had worked for um, the foundation, learning the ins and outs of, of grantsmanship plus the degree. So it's mm -hmm. like you have the skills and this is something that you can do. Mm -hmm. And so I did it and I actually enjoyed it. Um, there were some organizations that grabbed a hold of the whole business that you got to have some training. You can't just have a great idea. You got to have some training that helps you say, how am I going to do this? I mean, and I really look at the work that you did. I mean, the work that you did in, in building your organization. I mean, you weren't content just to say, I'm going to sit in a room and, and counsel people, but you literally created an infrastructure, which is what so many of our organizations don't understand. You've got to know how to manage, as they say, your back office. you got to manage your That's money. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't just do good work and say, oh, we spent the money, but we don't really know how we 
you you may get one grant, mm -hmm. but you won't get a second or a third if you can't show how you spent the money. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to show your successes. We can't just talk about we served 50 kids this year. We got to say of the 50 kids that we served, 35% of them are back in school. They are working at grade level. They're no longer doing drugs, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the situation was that brought them to you in the first place. We have I to see. understand that. <laughs> we also have to help other people like ourselves, particularly in communities of color, understand that they have to financially invest in our organizations. <laughs> we know how to invest in the church. We, we do that well. We will take out a membership in a social organization, but that's not enough. Mm -hmm. That organization needs more than that $15 or $20 that we give them annually. We've mm -hmm. got to invest in the infrastructure so that we have facilities that are on par with other facilities in the community. Mm -hmm. We can't just say, well, somebody gave them money. Yes, somebody gave them money, but they gave them money because they saw them making a difference in mm -hmm. the community. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for 10 years. Then I got sick and had to, you know, kind of take a little break. Um, and so now I just kind of write when I feel like it, you know. No, she, does, she doesn't kind of write. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know so, the so, audience I, out there. She wants to kind of write, so this my guest tonight, Dr. Brown. That's not me humble. I want you to tell me. But, you know, I, 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 you know, but I wanted to say, I still have a couple of clients. I mean, yes. actually, people who who say, you know, can you Along with those 10 books that you've written, along with the 10 <laughs> books that she's written, y'all. And she's probably got more in, in her back pocket. Oh, Award-winning, I let me tell you, award-winning books that Dr. Brown has written. And I wanted to tell us how. She told me, but I wanted to share with you all tonight, how did that come about becoming an esteemed author, Dr. Brown? How did that actually birth out of your spirit? Actually, I've been writing all my life. I was the girl who could not sing. Mm -hmm. um, I was the girl who played the piano, but didn't like playing for other people because okay. you know I have my own idiosyncrasies too. Mm -hmm. And so to get around that, I had to be either the mistress of ceremonies or I had to be the person bringing the message. So, okay. cause you gotta do something. You, you don't get to say, I just want to sit in the corner and be by myself. <laughs> Nobody was trying to hear that. Right. So, um, so in the process of learning public speaking, I learned to write, I learned to write down and be able to stand up and, and say what I needed to say versus standing there and, and reading off of a, a piece of paper. So that's kind of how the writing started really at an early age. Mm -hmm. Then um, my mother thought I was gonna be a math teacher. That was okay. what, that was the plan. The plan was that Joyce was gonna be a math teacher. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to the university in 1967. And as you know, in 1967, the world was on fire. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to Bradley University that had very few Black students mm -hmm. when I entered and one Black 
professor. Why? And it was difficult, not from an academic standpoint, but I had a couple of roommates who didn't look like me, didn't act like me, and didn't respect me. Oh. And um, I don't tolerate that. You know, 18, doesn't matter. I'm 18. You're not going to disrespect me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, joined in really with a group of like-minded students. Um, mm -hmm. We were less than 50 Black students on a campus that had 5,000 Wow, less than 50. So less than 50. That is, that isn't even a per 1% then. No, no, we, we were, we were a hot mess. My um, goodness. The, the, the black people that we saw were the women in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. um, the women who provided maid service. I mean, and just to tell you the caliber of the school, they had maid service. I mean, oh once a week, we got clean sheets, you know, <laughs> you know, you wow. know, you just take 30 sheets off your bed, take them downstairs. They gave you a set of clean sheets. Oh um, you know, uh, we, we saw them in the cafeteria and we mm -hmm. were always complaining about, we know y'all can cook better than this. Why, why are we eating mm -hmm. this bland food? I see. So we, we did lots of complaints, lots and lots of complaints. Uh -huh. But really, um, it was during my sophomore year that we really came together as students and said, this is just beyond not right. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, I hate to use the word, this is racist to the core. You know, most of us were on scholarships. I mean, uh -huh. our families didn't have it. You know, most of us were on scholarships. Mm -hmm. And then you had the basketball players and the football players. And, you know, and they were living a whole different existence. Yes. And we were like, we have to stand up. We have to say something. Right. And so that kind of took my life in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where my activism Came in that um, teacher role went out the window. Yeah, and activism came in. But I wanted you to share, most importantly, before we go into that topic, that conversation of building communities. I wanted you to share what you shared with me because I know there there is someone that's listening or will listen that they just want to give up and quit. They have run into a situation where they have found themselves backed up against the wall because of a illness, a major mm -hmm. illness that they didn't even see coming. Mm -hmm. And this major illness that came upon them shut them down. They yeah. were prosperous, yeah. successful, thriving business person or a successful person with that mind mm -hmm. like you have to actually mm -hmm. create things and get it done, movers and shakers. But along comes mm -hmm. something some major sickness or some setback that caused mm -hmm. them to stop dead in their tracks, doctor. And when doing so, some people didn't do like you. They weren't resilient. They weren't able to pick it up and recreate mm -hmm. themselves. So I want you to mm -hmm. tell me to tell my audience that story you shared with me the other day. It touched me deeply okay. when you told me that something major happened to you. And it was to the degree that you were at, you just had to stop what you were doing. Your your yes. business that you had created, the organization development solutions 
business. It had to come to a halting screech. Mm -hmm. Tell us, tell us what happened and what did you do, doctor, to actually continue on with life? Okay. In 2011, uh, I took a trip with some friends of mine. Uh, actually, it was a group of women who had graduated from Howard University. And Dr. Sharon Anderson, who you know, was um, a part of that group. And they invited me along because even though I hadn't gone to an HBCU, I love people who go to HBCUs. Okay. And so we were in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I was not feeling good the whole time we were there. I was sluggish. I was out of sorts. I just was not my usual self. Mm -hmm. On uh, Sunday, we were driving back to Georgia Mm -hmm. because we had a flight out Monday morning uh, mm -hmm. to come back to Battle Creek. We stopped for gas and I got out of the car and one minute I was dancing. I mean, I was just twirling and <laughs> having a great time. And the next moment, forgive me, I was doing projectile vomiting. I mean, oh, just my. literally. Mm. It just started. Mm. I, had, I hadn't been sick. Oh, and it couldn't stop. I mean, oh, it did my. not stop until it was like, mm. and I was deflated. Oh, I was embarrassed. Uh, and I was scared mm. because up to that point in time, I hadn't been a person who got sick. <laughs> uh, so we, we got to Georgia, uh, spent the night with my son and his wife got up the next morning and went home and I was still sick. I was still sick. So called my doctor, went in, and this is where the drama starts. I was misdiagnosed. I'm not going to take you through all the, all the right. time. I was misdiagnosed mm -hmm. um, by my doctor. And so over the next five months, um, I lost weight. I was mm -hmm. down to a skeleton of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked horrible. I lost my hair, which I never got back. Um, it was awful. Mm -hmm. uh, I tell people the worst day of my life was that the NAACP awarded me their Rosa Parks um, award. I mean, it was just a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. They had this beautiful prime rib dinner and these people were taking pictures and I looked like walking death. Oh my. When I, I mean, when I look at that picture, and of course the next day my picture is in the newspaper mm -hmm. and people are like, oh my God, what is oh wrong with her? I mean, oh it was absolutely apparent that, you know, that I was sick. Oh my. And so... I just, you know, it was it was just a horrible time. Couple of weeks later, um, I was at a sorority meeting. You heard me, you you mentioned in my bio that I'm a member of AKA. Uh, but I kept trying to go, you know, like women. And yes. And my advice to women: stop. You know, just 
stop being superwoman. Stop right. thinking that things won't go on if you're not in the room. They Amen. have that horrible tendency. Mm -hmm. If I'm not there, they're not going to do it right. That's right. That's right. And I've been guilty of that. Okay. But the thing was that I, I, I have sorority sisters and other friends, mm -hmm. people who love me and mm -hmm. who care about me. And um, I was sitting there in the meeting and the water in my legs started backing up oh, toward my heart. Oh my. And you could see it. I mean, it was mm -hmm. not anything subtle because by then I was about this big, but I had these nice big legs oh, full my. of water. And the water just started moving and you could see it moving. Everyone kind of freaked out. And I was like, just stop, just sit, let me sit. I'm okay. Cause mm -hmm. I was frightened. Okay. I didn't know what else to do except, you know, just sit. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, um, I went home and I called my good friend um, and said, please come take me to the hospital because I knew she would be calm. Everybody else would be freaking out, driving hospital crazy. Come get me. I see. And she took me to the hospital. Thankfully, it was a Saturday afternoon. The place, Battle Creek Health Systems, was quiet. Nobody was there. The emergency room doctor on call saw us, saw her get the wheelchair and bring me in. Mm -hmm. And he came to the door and met us. Mm -hmm. I can never to this day tell you what that man asked me and what I said to him. Mm -hmm. But he immediately said, get some Lasix in her, get her in a room and move that fluid. I remember oh that part. Oh I remember anything else. Mm -hmm. Over six to eight hours they moved all of that fluid and I was a skeleton. Oh my, oh my. But two things happened and, and this is why I say God is, is good. God is extremely good. Mm -hmm. They called my doctor mm -hmm. and my doctor refused to come oh to the hospital, oh which was a clear indication that my mm -hmm. doctor knew what was wrong with me and had not treated me the way I needed to be treated. He would not come. Oh, so right. they, so an on-call um, heart surgeon, mm -hmm. they called him. Mm -hmm. And he said to me very clearly, you have not been well served, but mm -hmm. we are going to take care of you. Oh, my. Look and at God. Look at God. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. moved my care to Kalamazoo. Mm -hmm. uh, did all the tests, ran all the tests, came back, told me what was wrong. And they said, but you are in no shape for surgery. You I are see. too weak. Mm -hmm. I mean, when was the last time you had a meal? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Okay. All of it. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, because I was just really hanging out there. Yeah. And uh, so they said, we got to wait. 30 days went by and the doctor said, we can't wait. Oh, You're not getting any better. Mm -hmm. So they took me into surgery. I received a wonderful new defibrillator, mm -hmm. which I thank God for. Mm -hmm. And I 
thank the electrophysiologist for understanding that, you know, it was literally the electricity in my heart. You know, it wasn't any of these things that people wanted, wanted to talk. It was simply the electricity, the electricity mm-hmm. in my heart was not working. I see. It had shortcutted. And, and as a result, all these other things happened. I see. And, um, and I am eternally grateful. Grateful, grateful to that medical mm-hmm. staff, um, to, you know, to the doctors who supported me. I mean, it took me uh-huh. years, you know, to get back to feeling um, uh-huh. like myself again mm-hmm. uh, for my friends. Um, I, I think you know the um, Hess family. Yes. In Battle Creek. Creek. Mm-hmm. You know, Elder Hess Sr., Elder Hess Jr., Anita, that family. And, you know, I'm a good AME person. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good AME. Uh, <laughs> they came. They prayed with them for That's me. Good. Um, they brought me food on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. Anita and her two daughters cleaned my apartment. I mean, oh my. that family loved up on me like you wouldn't believe. That's excellent. Uh, I will never mm-hmm. forget them. I will mm-hmm. never forget the love and kindness. And that's not to negate anybody else yes. who showed me love. But that family was with me through that whole process. That's excellent. No, I mean, we talk about community. Yes. That's, you know, it's not about, does she go to your church? No, she doesn't go to our, you know, it wasn't about that. They just took care of me and I appreciated that. And when you spoke and you shared, I call Mm -hmm. it a testimony. When you shared what you just shared, Dr. Brown, when I listened, I could see the thread of the Lord Jesus Christ running all through that story from the yes, time yes. you started projectile vomiting from mm-hmm. the time that you were in that car all the way from mm-hmm. the time that they got you to the hospital and that surgeon, the doctor said, mm-hmm. get her in from that mm-hmm. moment on the Holy spirit. It was with you. He Absolutely. said he would never leave nor forsake us. That's and right. he already foreknew what was happening. Mm-hmm. already had in place the players, just like on a chess, yes. chess board. Mm-hmm. He already yes. knew what the play, who the players was going to be and how that mm-hmm. was going to work out in your favor. And I Absolutely. would like to say why I would be like to say because of your service and your heart for people and how you have labored and told and helped and served in the trenches to help people. You have did that out of the goodness of your heart and God. The Lord Jesus Christ, he saw that and he is, he rewarded you. He, yes. he did. He came alongside yes. you and he was carrying you. You know, that poem footprints in the sand. Oh, yes. oh, he was carrying you when you could not carry yourself and absolutely put those players in place. And thank mm-hmm. you for pointing out to us that community consists of those that are outside of just your own church. Y'all hear absolutely. us tonight, right? Mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. people that look like she and I <laughs> are so stuck on denominations. And then yes, yes, yes. if you're not a part oh, of yeah. my church and my mm-hmm. denomination, then mm-hmm. I can't yes. not 
out of the goodness of my heart, you know, people, we love each other. We say we do mm-hmm. actions more than yes, yes. And yes, I thank do. you for pointing out that somebody went outside of their denomination. She was a devout AME. But someone, I know the Hess family, they weren't AME. They were sanctified at folks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And they yes. helped and they served because it was the Lord, the Lord that was inside of their hope, their spirit. That's yes. where we got to get to. And I know many mm-hmm. of us are there, but we're striving mm-hmm. to get there as community. And so that's why that I wanted Dr. Brown to share that this evening, because all of that was birth her, mm-hmm. her journey mm-hmm. as an mm-hmm. esteemed author. She is yes. one of the best authors, if you ask me, around <laughs> today. She is. She has written over 10 books. She has actually helped me. When I was writing my dissertation, she actually was one of the ones that read through it and edited that for me. I'll never forget that. And I wanted to highlight that, Doctor. I did before we move on into our discussion this evening. Oh, well, thank you. You know, community. I yes. I, I tell people, God has blessed me throughout my life, not just my illness, but throughout my life, God has blessed me. And the things that people have done for me were not because I could afford to pay them or, you know, or they thought they were going to get something out of it, but true blessings. And so when I see another woman working on a dissertation, I know what that felt like. Okay. (laughs) I know what those red marks mean. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm traumatized. (laughs) Red marks. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, anytime somebody says, will you read for me? Will you help? Um, You know, I'm like, yes, yes. You know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you knew my friend, Reverend Gloria. um, Yes. Who was um, Mm -hmm. in Kalamazoo. I mean, I still miss her. Oh, yes. That's a valuable woman of God. That's wonderful. And, you know, and, you know, and she Mm -hmm. and I bonded over her dissertation. Oh, my. She got her her demon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we we bonded over that experience. And I tell people, that's what we're here for. We are here to help Mm -hmm. one another. That's we are. We're not here just to make ourselves look good. Because see, every time a black woman gets a demon, a PhD, an EDD, even a master's, that pushes us farther as a community. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I did learn at Western was that those other people had those support networks. Mm-hmm. We weren't in them. Amen. But they right. had those support mm-hmm. networks. That's right. And and so, you know, I had two people at Western who I will always be grateful to, Dr. Don Thompson mm-hmm. and Dr. Lewis Walker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, again, when I was admitted to my doctoral program in the 90s, I was told to my face that Black people don't finish the doctorate at Western. Oh my, to your face. To my face. Oh to my, my face. My word. How I was audacious. Oh yeah. But that was remember the time, you know? Oh yes. 
30 years ago. We're, we're, we're 30 years now. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. told that either they don't finish the coursework mm-hmm. or if they finish the coursework, they don't pass the comprehensive exams. I see. Or if they finish the comprehensive exams, they don't write the dissertation. I see. My, and I my, said, my. thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for telling me that. Mm-hmm. And proceeded. Mm-hmm to surround myself again, who are the black people here mm-hmm. who've done this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with those people mm-hmm. so that when you have an issue, mm-hmm. that's who you go to. Mm-hmm. You don't go to these people who don't have any faith in you. Mm-hmm. And now that's one thing I will tell people. That's good. Go to people who don't have any faith in you, mm-hmm. who don't believe you are capable That's good. of performing at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. I don't care who they are. That's good. Stop going to those people. I see. Mm-hmm. But I went to people who I knew would mm-hmm. help me, mm-hmm. who would tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't need to be sugarcoated and, you know, uh, no. Tell me mm-hmm. the truth. Tell me what do I need to do to walk across that stage with that hood, you know, yes. and be awarded Dr. Brown. That, that's what I want to know. That's I don't want good. anything else. That's good. And mm-hmm. um, and and one of the reasons why I help people with the writing is Dr. Walker, who was a member of my committee, edited my dissertation. Okay. <laughs> he was only supposed to read it. I mean, his job was literally to read it. That was okay. Okay. Doctor Walker took his red pen. <laughs> oh, not the red pen. Not the red pen. <laughs> he had the red pen. My, my dissertation was like two hundred pages. Whoa! And my lord. Doctor Walker read and corrected every error I made. Oh, so man. when I do it for other people, I'm paying him back. That's good. I'm paying That's him good. back. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's you know, good. I, did, mm-hmm. I didn't have to go out and pay somebody. You know, people spend yes. hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars to, to other pay. people to, to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Dr. Walker just sat there in his office and did it for me. Yes. And that's and why I want to interject into this once again. When I introduced you, I had this bowl of jewels. You were in the back room at that time, but I think you heard me. And I, I, I pointed out that I I consider you a Jew, Dr. Brown. Oh, Never you. told you thank that, you. but this is my thank chance you. to. In this bowl, is see this beautiful golden bowl? It is full of all these different jewels. Blue ones, red ones, orange ones, mm-hmm. white ones, pink ones, purple. In here, depict you. Why? Mm-hmm. Dr. Pamela, are you saying this? I'm saying this because she is so multifaceted and her heart is just pure, just a servant's heart. And this, this, I want you to know tonight, depicts you because I consider you a precious jewel, multifaceted, that has lived life to the fullest. You have lived your life out. You have done what thus saith the Lord. You have accomplished, even exceeded the expectations of others and maybe even of your own self. And I want to say Sometimes. thank you. I want to Sometimes. say thank you. Thank you so thank you. much. Tonight, our conversation 
we um, want to talk a little bit about building community. We already share okay. a little bit about it, but let's talk okay. go a little bit further about building community. And I want you, Dr. Brown, to define what is community? Okay. Well, community is multifaceted. Um, sometimes it's the place we live, the geography, uh, you know, and so people will say, well, I live in the community of the north side mm -hmm. in, in Kalamazoo or in uh, Battle Creek. You'll hear people talk about Washington Heights. So it can mm -hmm. be a physical location. Yes. But more than that. Um, can I can I interject one thing? Because sure. for those that are listening globally, maybe overseas yeah. and in sure. different countries, they wouldn't know what the north side is and what no. Washington Heights is. So just and break it down for us tonight. What are okay. those areas? What do they those are areas in, in those two cities where mm -hmm. it's a landlocked geography okay. where the majority of people mm -hmm. of color live. Right. It's also an area that is limited in services. Um, so if you want to see where trash doesn't get picked up mm -hmm. in the way that it should or streets don't get plowed in the way they should, you ask for those communities. Right. right. It's an area where financial resources are often lacking. Right. Um, low performance in uh, test scores in right. school, high incidences of crime, um, high incidences of unemployment, um, mm -hmm. and lack of health care. Exactly. Thank you. So they are usually on social indicators, the lowest performing places where people reside. Yes, and then I thank you for sharing and breaking that down mm -hmm. to my to mm -hmm. our audience this evening. Yet mm -hmm. still, I want to in interject this. Dr. Brown and myself, we're not saying that because those communities are depicted that way, and it's facts, that there aren't people in those communities that are thriving. There are yes. people there yes. that are thriving. They're educated. They're homeowners. Mm -hmm. They're parents. Mm -hmm. They might be single mm -hmm. parents raising those children. Mm -hmm. They could, they mm -hmm. are grandparents that have been there that are pillars mm -hmm. of those communities. And Absolutely. they have done a wonderful job holding it down right and where continue. they are. Yes. And continue. In spite of those odds, of, right, yes. Dr. Yes. Brown? In spite of, yes. Mm -hmm. So, yes. I mean, we would not be who we are without those servant leaders that's right in those communities they get very little credit that's all right. the negative things get accolades that's right because they're talked about but mm -hmm. those people who are making things better mm -hmm. who are keeping the wolves from just taking over that's right the point is it isn't that people don't see the potential there Mm -hmm. But they don't want the potential for the people who currently live there. They want exactly. the potential for other people. So you often see people coming in and trying mm -hmm. to disperse people who live there. Let's right. disperse all this poverty right. into other areas. And then they come in and gentrify That's the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And the people who used to live there can no longer afford to live there. That's, That's right. the shame. That's, That's right. That's right. So when you define communities, then 
A community could be a group of people that are mm-hmm. living together and, and, and they are are they are from the same cultural background or could they be made mm-hmm. up of different backgrounds of cultures yes. and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Could they be of different socioeconomic income levels and all? Mm-hmm. Or do they all yeah. have to be a monolith? All no, the same. No. In fact, what the strongest communities, regardless of income, mm-hmm. have all those things that you talked about. Okay. That you have people who are up and down the economic scale, people mm-hmm. who have different life experiences, whether that be race, ethnicity, you know, culture. Uh, as you know, Southwest Michigan has become home to a lot of resettled families. Um, right. You know, people who came from, you know, some of the Southeast Asian com- countries, uh, some people now who are coming from Africa, parts of Africa mm-hmm. are, are coming. Uh, so Michigan, that Southwest corridor of Michigan is really geographically different than it was mm-hmm. when I went there in the 80s. Yes, uh, we hadn't really dealt with the Vietnamese survivors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hadn't really dealt with the Hmong mm-hmm. uh, survivors, uh, people who uh, were displaced after Mm -hmm. Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. A a number of people came to Battle Creek uh, from uh, the Southeast Mm -hmm. and and stayed there. Right. And and because of the army base and the the air capacity there, again, as people have come, you know, from Europe, Southeast Asia, other places, Korea have all come, and even some Africans now exactly. um, have have moved in into that area. So, mm-hmm. in some respects, it is a welcoming area. Yes, in that it will look at people who others consider refugees and mm-hmm. not acceptable, and bring them in. Right. The real, I think, next step is how do we integrate all those people? You know, mm-hmm. we can't have yes. little pockets of people right. that doesn't build a strong enough base right. for the collective to thrive. Right. That's one of the things that community has to grapple with is you bring these people here, you treat them good, you help them get homes and jobs and all of that, mm-hmm. but they're still isolated. Right. And they're segregated together. So that that is what brings us to that next question is the importance of community then, especially Mm -hmm. in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about why is that important? I think it's important because our history in this country has been about dividing us Mm -hmm. by sex, by religion, by economic status, even by what part of Africa you originally came from. Um, You know, so it's all about keeping us fighting against each other so that we don't realize how many things we have in common, Mm -hmm. how much better we could be if we brought those skills and abilities together in pursuit of solving our own community's Mm -hmm. issues. Uh, And so some of the best community work um, that I was engaged in in Battle Creek was 
what we called a village renewing agenda. Yes. Where people sat around the table and talked. You know, mm -hmm. nobody's here to give a speech. Nobody's here to talk badly about anybody or say, mm -hmm. you know, it's like leave that stuff at the door. We, okay. we already know who we don't like. Okay. Right. right. But in this room, we like each other. Right. In <laughs> this room, we want to see our community flourish. Mm -hmm. In this room, we will debate, not argue. Right. We will not. We will not fight. That's good. That's and it's good. amazing when people can just take off mm -hmm. that burden and just say, you know, I want my kids to be safe. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to go to school where they're not always in the lowest track. I want mm -hmm. my kids to say when they graduate that they read an above seventh grade reading level. Mm -hmm. I want the police not to patrol my streets at night. That's good. Right. And once you start having those real conversations, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or a non-voter. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue on the table. Mm -hmm. How do we, first of all, learn to love each other mm -hmm. in spite of our differences, Yes. not to see each other as enemies. Right. Right. And to see ourselves as a collective. Exactly. Because we're strong. We together. we we are strong together. That's right. Because we have an array of skills, talents, and abilities that we never get to because we're too busy fighting with each other. Exactly. And we're too busy what I with what I call the crab mentality. We yes. know what that means that, you know, yes. there, there is a market here in Raleigh and it's mm -hmm. a fish market. And at the mm -hmm. fish market, they actually have crabs, crabs in the bucket. They have all these buckets <laughs> and you can go and you get your tongs and you literally pick your crabs. Some of the crabs mm -hmm. jump out and they be falling all <laughs> on the floor and, and everything. But uh, those, guess what? It's true. Mm -hmm. When you go in there, you pick that crab up. The other crabs try to hold on and pull the other mm -hmm. crab back down. Back. They be trying yeah. their best to pull it back down. And I mm -hmm. said, "Now that a preach." <laughs> that <laughs> meaning will. that, that will. <laughs> meaning that I can. I'm a visual person. I could mm -hmm. see when people would say "crabs in the bucket" mentality. Mm -hmm. That when mm -hmm. one of us tries to get up and out and over that bucket. The other mm -hmm. one tries to pull it back down with mm -hmm. those harsh words or throwing yes. out hater aid, you know, mm -hmm. talking, mm -hmm. gossiping, running yes. each other down. Instead of building mm -hmm. one another up and celebrating yeah. one another, we want to tear yes. one another down. And now we have a new mm -hmm. way of doing it. And that's over social mm -hmm. media. Yeah. And uh, we can hide behind the screen and tear each mm -hmm. other down. But we've Absolutely. got to be unified. That's what this podcast mm -hmm. is all about. Bringing people on mm -hmm. like you, Dr. Brown, that have paved the way for women like me and others. Mm -hmm. Women that mm -hmm. don't even look like me. You are a woman, I'm sure, that have served all different nationalities, races, mm -hmm. and creeds. Not mm -hmm. just African-American mm -hmm. women, but because we are mm -hmm. Black women, that's all we know. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, mm -hmm. that's what we're mm -hmm. talking about. But you have been inclusive. You don't have mm -hmm. this crab mentality, and neither do I. So the podcast is here to celebrate 
people that look mm-hmm. like us. And I want to actually pay homage to you for what you've done and others that have been on the podcast. I want mm-hmm. to empower and lift up. I want to showcase mm-hmm. other people that are around me that have heard all these negative things about what they can't do. I want them to see people that look just like you and say, if she did it, I can do it. Good too. And I mm-hmm. and, and I tell people this this interesting story. Um, my my parents separated when I was young, mm-hmm. and my mother had never worked before my father left us. She mm-hmm. was a housewife with these four little girls. Mm-hmm. And um, she got a job as a dishwasher mm-hmm. um, in an Italian restaurant. That you know, it was the only job she could get. Mm-hmm. But my mother had this deep abiding faith in God. My mother went to work, people cutting up, acting a fool all around her, mm-hmm. paid no attention to her, did her job. Her boss was this fiery Italian man. Mm-hmm. He could say some harsh words and things to people and people would quit. Mm-hmm. And every time somebody quit, my mother got a promotion. Oh my. You know, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, because what he saw when she was the dishwasher was that she came to work every day. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. did her job. She mm-hmm. stayed out of other people's business. She was friendly and personable, but she mm-hmm. did her job. Mm-hmm. So she literally, on her way to becoming the head chef of that Italian restaurant, had literally every job in that kitchen. Look at that. Amazing. Because when somebody, like mm-hmm. I say, somebody left, mm-hmm. she got that job. Mm-hmm. And she did it. You know, and she mm-hmm. didn't complain. She didn't say, I don't know how to do this. You know, I'm a black woman. We don't cook, you know, the way she looked. She That's listened. Mm-hmm. She asked mm-hmm. questions. Look, listen, and ask questions. Yeah. And she slowly built her way up. That's good. To the chef. I mean, mm-hmm. where she was in charge of buying the meat, you know. Wow. Knowing what cuts the meat, mm. ordering from you know the various vendors, dealing with the public, dealing with mm. the wait staff. Mm-hmm. Basically, the boss could leave and she could run the restaurant. Look okay? at that. Yes, yes. And and I learned from that. You know, sometimes we get hung up on they're not treating me right. They were mean to me, they right. didn't acknowledge what I did. My mom said they paid me, you know. Right, right. They paid me, you know. And as long as they're not calling me bad names, as long as they're not, you know, doing all of these other things, mm-hmm. it's my job. That's right. That's right. It's my job. And Good sometimes stuff. we gotta get back to that. That's we right. gotta get away from every. Not everything is about race. I hate to say That's it. Right. right. Not. Thing is it's race. Everything is a racism. No, right. Sometimes right. it is about skill. Exactly. You don't have the exactly. skill, baby, to do that job. If exactly. you want that job, get the skills. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't get the job, we'll have a conversation about race. But right That's now, right. yeah, if you got that job, you couldn't do it. That's good. We we gotta understand that. You know, we get things twisted too. It isn't right. always just that other people get things twisted. 
we get things twisted. Exactly. And I thank you for pointing out that your mother had that stick to itiveness that a lot of yes. us don't have. We want this microwave generation yep. type stuff. We want it mm -hmm. quick, fast, and in a hurry. And if we don't get yeah. it that way, we're out of here. But your mom mm -hmm. knew how to humble herself. She knew yes. what it meant to be a woman that knew what she wanted. And look what happened. Yeah. She was she was elevated. She was yeah. promoted along the way because she humbled herself. She didn't yeah. argue. She didn't say, okay, yeah. because I'm black, this is happening to me. Or because mm -hmm. they got smart with me. Okay, I wear my feelings mm -hmm. in my shoe and they're going to mm -hmm. get stepped on every time. Mm -hmm. She didn't. Mm -hmm. She knew that she had these four daughters at home to take care of. She knew it was bigger than her. Mm -hmm. You hear me listening, audience, and those that are listening. It's bigger than you. It's not just mm -hmm. about Dr. Pamela. It's not just about Dr. Mm -hmm. Brown, nor was it just about her mom, but it was bigger mm -hmm. than her. And the legacy in which she's left, I can mm -hmm. see it in Dr. Brown. And Dr. Brown is passed it on to her children and then her mm -hmm. grandchildren. And if she has great grands, it will pass down mm -hmm. that legacy will yep. pass mm -hmm. down all because of what mama did. Mm -hmm. Yep. And my mother took those skills and mm -hmm. used them at our church. Yes. You know, we, we are AMEs. And, you know, and before we were allowed to have big dinners in the hotels, you mm -hmm. know, back, back in those days, you didn't have those big hotels welcoming. Black. She could take those skills that she learned into her church mm -hmm. and prepare sit-down dinners for the bishops and their entourages, make that place look like it was a hotel. That's good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. and she continued that work up until her 80s. Wow. She could no longer mm. work, you know. My, my, so my. we have to understand that race plays a part. You know, we, we, we will never minimize that, right. but there's a bigger part right. of how we right. respond to challenges of race. Right. And it's not always by calling somebody an ugly name. Right. My mother's motto was, I need to know what they know. That's right. I need for <laughs> you four girls to get an education. So you won't have to work in a restaurant like that's I do. good. That's good. That's excellent. And you know what? My late husband had a saying like this. It fits right into this. He would always say when he would preach or teach, he would say, if all you see is what you see with these two eyes, then mm -hmm. you'll never see the entire mm -hmm. picture because mm -hmm. everything that you're to take in it's not going to always be seen by your eyes. That's it's right. bigger than that. It's bigger than that. The realm Absolutely. of possibilities is so much bigger than just what's in our eye gate right here. Mm -hmm. And yes. we, uh, we are so tunnel vision sometimes that we mm -hmm. miss what's going on all around us. And your mom had wisdom and she mm -hmm. knew that yes. it was bigger than her. And she didn't have mm -hmm. tunnel vision. So these mm -hmm. eyes sometimes can play tricks on us. Yes, yes. We've yes. got to be able to discern what mm -hmm. is the bigger picture at hand. Right. And we mm -hmm. may not be able to get it all just right now, here now. Mm -hmm. It might take a while. 
It's a process. Mm -hmm. I don't go from A to Z in one night. I've got to go from A, B, C. I might skip back to A, go B, Mm -hmm. C, D. I might skip back again, but I've got Mm -hmm. to keep going, keep it moving. Eventually, if I keep it moving, I will reach and obtain my goal. And, you know, and that used to be something that our communities taught. Mm -hmm. I I remember, again, you know, I, I have these stories about growing up. Even the winos would say to us, go to school, babe. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, don't be talking to them little boys over there. They don't mean you no good. Yes. I mean, they were just that, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. They That's didn't right. have a lot of education, but they had wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's and like, right. No, don't, mm-hmm. you know, keep going. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't stop here. That's this right. is not where you belong mm-hmm. and even they don't belong here but yes. i can't tell them that but i can yeah. tell you but they had enough wisdom in them mm-hmm. to speak to speak it out and they yes. weren't afraid to say those things i was i no, was brought no. up in those times i was i'm not mm-hmm. too far behind you i was <laughs> yes. brought up in those times and i remember i remember mm-hmm. that now where has that gone how do we know the importance of the family in the community, doctor? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's twofold. One, I don't think we talk about families enough. Mm-hmm. And I always step back and say, because again, I was that nosy child. I was quiet, but I was nosy. Mm-hmm. People didn't have perfect families then, mm-hmm. but they didn't make you feel bad. If a young woman had a child, out of wedlock, people's like, okay, baby, pick yourself up, mm-hmm. take care of your child, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. And you were restored to wholeness mm-hmm. within the community. Mm-hmm. And people cheered as you, you know, finished yes. your education, right. got some additional training. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon, people stopped talking about you mm-hmm. as they that fast girl that had that baby. Okay. That's right. Because That's you right. were restored. You mm-hmm. were restored to community. Right. We've stopped restoring people. Exactly. We put That's labels right. on people and that label follows That's them right. for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. That's right. Same thing with mm-hmm. young men who went to prison. Mm-hmm. You know, again, you know, I talk about that checkered career that I had. Mm-hmm. My first job was working for the Department of Rehabilitation Services mm-hmm. in Rockford and in Peoria. A lot of young men went to jail at 17, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. In those days, when you came out of jail, you had to come see somebody like me, you know, mm-hmm. who said, okay, what's your plan? I see. You know, you, you on parole. So don't come in here with none of that foolishness. Right. You know, and I tell them, I ain't them white people over there. Don't, don't, don't come in here. Right. What's your plan? Mm-hmm. Because at that time, the state would pay for you to go to school, mm-hmm. to get a trade. Mm-hmm. They had somebody like me to remind you of what would happen if you didn't go to class. Because mm-hmm. part of my job was to make sure that you went to class, mm-hmm. and that if you needed 
things, like you needed uniforms, you needed tools, you needed whatever, then we got that for you. Mm -hmm. Because then we were trying to really rehabilitate people. That's good. We were trying to keep mm -hmm. people from going back to jail. That's right. And so a lot of young men, and it was, it was primarily young men at that time, mm -hmm. going to jail. A lot of them got themselves together. That's good. They went on to college. Mm -hmm. They got degrees. Mm -hmm. They got wives, children, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they live in a good life. That's good. All because, because yeah, mm -hmm. because the community mm -hmm. saw value mm -hmm. in them. That's good. Mm -hmm. The problem became when we decided that we needed to criminalize. Mm -hmm ostracize and degrade people. Right. I mean, right, I mean, right. we look at, you know, mm -hmm. I look at Richard Nixon. That's you know, right. I'm a, I'm a little older than you. Yes. And I look at the things that Richard Nixon said. Remember, he was first the mm -hmm. vice president of the United States right. before he became president. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and the things that he talked about, thugs and you know they're not worth anything and you know we need to just lock them up and throw away the keys right and unfortunately our community said nothing right our community didn't say anything mm -hmm. when they started this law and order right stuff. policing and that's what happened Police. we yeah. lost them but um yeah. i want to share that when you said about what happened and that it was because we lost the the nudge for restoration and restoring yes. people back yes. there yes. was um in one of the uh, new membership classes that i was attending we have joined a um, just an amazing ministry here in raleigh called word of god mm -hmm. fellowship mm -hmm. church under mm -hmm. pastor mitch summerfield just an mm -hmm. amazing ministry well his wife was in our new membership class a few weeks back and she had a picture and the picture had a tree, a bit, a huge tree that was uprooted mm -hmm. from the base and the root mm -hmm. system was all exposed and the tree was mm -hmm. just laying flat mm -hmm. on the ground. She asked us, how many of you in this class believe that that tree could be restored back mm -hmm. to a tree mm -hmm. that's fruitful and flourishing? Mm -hmm. And how mm -hmm. many of you feel that that tree is dead and it has no hope? Mm -hmm. Do you know mm -hmm. over 80% of the people said they didn't believe that that tree could be restored back? Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. there were 20% of them, when I was one of the 20%, that said, we believe that there, there is hope and there is restoration available. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. kind of paints the picture of what you said. Yeah. Now, sometimes we see things that are, that are happening and it seems like they're dilapidated. They're hopeless. There's never going to be a turnaround in someone's life. The illness has them. That mm -hmm. that diagnosis mm -hmm. will kill them. And so we just give up on them. But we mm -hmm. got to be able to see that if we can restore the person back to where they need to be. And it starts yes. first with us being able to see beyond the superficial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got to be able to look beyond that, that exterior and see into the interior of that person's mm -hmm. character. And I believe mm -hmm. that's what you're able to do. 
I believe that's what you have done and able to do. And even through your writing, the books that mm-hmm. you've written, you are able to see and help us to help ourselves and equip us mm-hmm. as we mm-hmm. matriculate through this thing called life. Now, mm-hmm. I want to ask you before we uh, come to a conclusion, I want to ask mm-hmm. this very last question of, of you. Mm-hmm. And I love your wisdom. I want you to know I just <laughs> love it. <laughs> I could talk to you all night. You are such a wise woman. Now, how, how can we be inclusive of our younger generation? And community building. Sometimes we forget about, we got some people that's up under us and they're going to be the, tomorrow's leaders. How can we mm-hmm. include them, doctor, in community well, building? Well, I think what we have to do, and I will tell you what was done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you about being at Bradley and, you know, very few people. Mm-hmm. But I had wanted to be an AKA because my neighbor, young woman and her husband moved in next door to us when I was 16. And she had just graduated from college. She was an elementary school teacher and she and her husband lived next door. And they saw in me this young girl Mm -hmm. who was kind of shy, you know, Mm kind of bookish, you know, all of that, but you know, they were like, we kind of like her. Okay. And uh, so, you know, you know, they would invite me to do things with them, like go bowling or just kind of hang out. You know, nothing outlandish, just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. And so um, she had this gorgeous pink and green sweater. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about sororities and fraternities. And she would also let me sometimes borrow something. You know, I, I really needed something to wear that, you know, that I didn't own. Uh-huh. And I said to her one day, can I borrow your sweater? And she was like, no. <laughs> was like, sorry, sorry. And she said, you have to earn the sweater. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. no, th- this is not a borrow thing. Mm-hmm. This is an earn. And so she sat down and she talked to me mm-hmm. about, you know, what sorority meant. I, you know, I didn't know that. Um, I, I always tell people, you know, my mom had a high school education mm-hmm. and she worked and she took us to church mm-hmm. and she taught us to love God, to serve God and to prepare us for a future. But all this other stuff, she didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And so this woman really became a mentor and a friend to me. Mm-hmm. And that relationship lasted Throughout her life, and until oh she and you were a youth at that time. It started 16. when you were a youth. Sixteen. That's good. Sixteen. That's good. We don't do enough of that mm-hmm. for our kids. I see. You know, so she could have said no. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that would have been hurtful, and I would have gone right back to my house and probably would have just said, "Hey," from from there on in. Right. But we have to start. early with our young people, investing in them, telling them right, wrong, indifferent. Mm -hmm. Um, The other person who invested in me was um, the woman I met at Bradley. You know, when I tell you how, you know, we were disruptive students and the university decided they had to hire some people. Mm -hmm. She was one of the first people 
that they hired. Oh. And again, um, you know, we could go to her office, we could talk, we could ask questions, you know, mm -hmm. if we needed to sound off, we could go there, you know. Mm -hmm. But again, this was a woman who was in my life until she died. Oh, my. And I just tell people that I've been blessed mm -hmm. because every young person in our community needs somebody. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. Who believes in them and That's not right. just believes in them, but acts on that belief. Yes, ma'am. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I can't say, Dr. Pamela, I believe in you and know you're having a hard time and never offer to help. That's not, you know, it's not always money that people need. Exactly. Sometimes, you know, you know, when 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 you're a young woman, and I can't speak for young men, even though I've raised my son and a couple nephews, sometimes you just need somebody to just say, Can I come and cry? Mm -hmm. That's you know, right. Can, can I just come and cry? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's right. And when I get through crying, I'll go home. Amen. That's good. That's good. Let me let me pause. I got to pause on this one. Oh, I got to pause, and I've got to restate that because you have just like triggered something in me. As some, you have brought out that mental health professional. You know, I'm a clinical social worker by trade, and I just want to reiterate that that it's okay to show those emotions. It's okay. Yes to cry. Mm -hmm. It's like a yeah. release valve. You're releasing yeah. the pressure. Years ago, my mama and probably Joyce's mama and maybe even her, mm -hmm. we had these things called pressure cookers. Mm -hmm. You put that yes. little thing on there, it was doo -doo -doo, make all that little noise tingling mm -hmm. and it had all that pressure in that pot and they would say, be careful, don't get around it because it might explode mm -hmm. and then it would fuck <laughs> on you. And so, but it was under pressure and mm -hmm. that is how it is in our lives. When we don't mm -hmm allow ourselves to feel our emotions and let it out yes. when we are not yeah. allowed especially men right mm -hmm. yes cry and show men. your emotions yeah. it's okay mm -hmm. not to be okay mm -hmm. it's okay mm -hmm. not to have a good day every single day y'all hear That's me right. it's okay That's to right. have a bad day sometimes yes. i say to myself i need a mental health day and my yes. one month of sabbatical dr brown that whole mm -hmm. month of, of August, mm -hmm. I made mm -hmm. myself celebrate me. I said, okay, right. here I am, a mm -hmm. single woman again, widowed, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I've got to learn how to live as a single woman again. I'm going to mm -hmm. celebrate me. I'm going to get out right. and go to the That's beach. Right. I love right. reading. I'm going to read as many books <laughs> as I want. I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to enjoy mm -hmm. this weather down here in Raleigh. Beautiful mm -hmm. weather. I'm going to enjoy the climate and I'm somewhat of a foodie. You wouldn't know by my little weight, but I love eating and this Southern food, all that kind of stuff. I allowed yeah. myself to take it off. I'm mm -hmm. a, a born leader. I am an ordained mm -hmm. minister and I serve, serve, serve. But there was times that mm -hmm. I have to sit back and be yes. served and allow yes. myself to say, I need some help and I need a break. And that's yes. okay. And I cried too, Dr. Joyce. <laughs> I cried a lot. I was missing my honey so. His, mm -hmm. the, the anniversary of his first transitioning to heaven was coming mm -hmm. up on September 7th. 
And I was just a goo hoo and crying, doo hoo and crying out of everywhere. It was like coming like waves. But through it all, that's what got me to where I am right here. I'm healthy, I'm strong, and I'm mentally sound, and I'm ready to run on. And I just wanted to add that you go ahead and you cry. Cry because the Bible says that the tears that we shed in sorrow, they're going to be turned around to joy. There that's is right. joy, right. joy, joy in the morning if you don't give that's up. That's right. Yes. That's right. You hold and in we there. Tell, yeah, and we have to tell women. Mm-hmm. It used to be people say, oh, you're a weakling because you cry. No, mm-hmm. you are strong because if you get it out, you can find out what's behind it. Because usually right. there's something behind that's those good. tears. That's good. Mm-hmm. And once you get the tears out, then mm-hmm. you can say, oh, you know. I was really feeling bad about something that had nothing to do with what I was crying about. Mm-hmm. Now I can go deal with that. That's good. That's good. You're so we, wise. You know, we, mm-hmm. we got to just, mm-hmm. I'm not wise. I'm just old. <laughs> I'm just okay. Old. She's wise to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, yes. I'm just, okay. I mean, but, yes. you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I've lived a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've made some mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. I've, you know, had a chance to look at some things I did and say, you could have handled that better, girlfriend. You, you mm-hmm. could have done that a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and acknowledge that. Acknowledge that you mm-hmm. don't always get it right. That's right. But mm-hmm. you don't keep beating yourself up about it. That's you know, right. You know, you just mm-hmm. take your licks mm-hmm. and then you move on and you promise to help somebody else do it better. Because when right. I see people doing stuff, I'm like, oh, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> That's really not healthy. That's you right. Know, if they, you That's know, if right. they say why, I said, like, well, let me tell you what I did, and let me tell you how it turned out, and it wasn't good. And it wasn't and so good. Yes. People are, yeah, we all, you know, don't get it right every day. That's you right. don't have to keep getting it wrong. You don't even, keep even, getting it wrong. And Doctor Doctor Brown, even leaders don't get it right mm-hmm. every day. Even no. clergy, clergy. <laughs> Don't get it right every day. Mental mm-hmm. health professionals don't get it right every don't. day. Extreme mm-hmm. authors and people with PhDs. Are you telling don't me they don't right. get it right every day? No, no, they don't. Oh boy, that's a revelation to me. Well, you know, I tell you this, and, and we won't go into the specifics, but you know, you saw my grandson at one of his roughest periods. Yes. Would, would you mind if life. I say that how I saw I was? Can I say I yeah. was just yeah, say, oh yeah, you yes, can say. I, I was his I was provided therapy for your grant for her grandson. And he's doing much better now. I want to put that yes. out there too. Yes. Much better. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he needed that. He yes. couldn't hear it. You know, he couldn't hear it from me. Mm-hmm. He couldn't hear it from his mom. Mm-hmm. And his peers were not the answer. They That's were part right. of the problem. That's right. And he needed to make a change. Mm -hmm. And we were determined that he was going to make a change. That's right. Uh, And so, you know, coming to you, having that chance to talk, that chance to, you know, just kind of let it out and say, I don't know what to do. And I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And all these things are happening to me. And Mm -hmm. none of it feels good. Right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. That was important. Mm-hmm. That was important. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tell people, mm-hmm. you have to say, I can't do this by myself. That's right. You know, I mean, 
And guess what? I love how you said that his village was there for him. His mama, mm -hmm. his grandma, mm -hmm. and I'm sure others mm -hmm. were there. Oh, yeah, and you, the you all pushed him. You said, you're not going to quit. You're mm -hmm. not going to give up. You are mm -hmm. not going to be a part of the problem all your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a part of the solution. We didn't mm -hmm. raise you that way. That's you right. that are listening may not have people in your lives like Dr. Brown and her daughter and her family, but you got somebody. Everybody mm -hmm. got somebody. That's it could right. be the janitor at your school that's speaking into mm -hmm. your life when you're walking down that hall with those books. Mm -hmm. It could be yeah. the pastor yeah. that's speaking listen. over the pulpit. He could be mm -hmm. pouring into your life. It could mm -hmm. be the gas station attendant mm -hmm. when you're coming mm -hmm. in there getting your coffee, encouraging you. It could be your beautician. Mm -hmm. It could mm -hmm. be the person that's your barber. Everybody yes. got somebody. Mm -hmm. Reach out and get the help that you need. And know that yeah. somebody out there wants to see you succeed. We're talking Absolutely. tonight about building community. Reach mm -hmm. out and take mm -hmm. part in your community. And be Absolutely. a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. I mm -hmm. am grateful tonight to have had with me none other than, I, I'm calling my lifelong friend. You say why? Because mm -hmm. I've known her over 30 years. We've not talked all the 30 years but we have known each other so way back when, when I lived in Battle Creek and I was a divorced single mom, yet thriving because I had the Lord in my life, thriving. Right. Mm -hmm. Dr. Brown was a mover and a shaker in the Battle Creek, Michigan area. And then I also knew of her in Kalamazoo when she moved there. And I've known some of the friends that she knows, very same people that have the mm -hmm. PhDs. And I want you to know that you are one of the reasons why I reached out and went forth and got my doctorate degree because I looked at women like you to set the example, Dr. Brown. Thank you. So Thank I you. want to let you know, I truly appreciate you coming on this podcast this evening. I have been wanting you to be on the podcast <laughs> and it's for years, been on three years <laughs> now and all of them three years, I've been wanting you to be on. And we finally have you on tonight. I'm so honored. I am just tickled pink over here. So thank you. Is there anything you want to share with our listening audience? Maybe that you didn't have an opportunity to share before we close out tonight. I simply want to say thank you to you for this invitation. Um, sometimes I do miss working. <laughs> sometimes I do miss that that public uh, life. Not every day. Okay. But, uh, sometimes. Because there's an energy that comes from sharing and exchanging ideas. Mm -hmm. And we as Black women don't have enough time to do that. We're usually so wrapped up in what's the problem, right, you know, that we don't always just get to laugh and right. share. And this has been wonderful. And the mm -hmm. only thing that I would say to people is, Buy my books. <laughs> <laughs> and name a few of the books that you have written and how can they get those books? Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to tell people that you can go to Amazon.com and put in my little name, Joyce, middle initial A, Brown, and probably five or six books will, will, will pop up there. Mm -hmm. uh, or you can just contact me. Uh, using my um, email address because my website is down. I'll put that on the screen now. Okay. 
and but um, what I try to do in in my writing is to look at women's lives. Um, there's some men in there, and then there's sometimes some of that other stuff in there too. But really, women have fascinating lives, and too often we're not talked about even in a lot of the romance novels, you know, that's really boy meets girl and, you know, and then they're off to the races. But mm -hmm. I really just like to look at, at, at women's lives. And this book, um, I, I won't go into it a lot, but it was inspired by my sisters in ministry. It's called They That Wait. Mm -hmm. And we have seen more African-American women rising to top leadership roles in the church. Mm -hmm. And we're finding that the landscape shifts when women become the leader. Mm -hmm. And this unfortunately is a drastic example mm -hmm. of what happens when a church that's been around for centuries hires a smart elegant woman who loves God and takes no prisoners. Oh, so I man. encourage you, if you don't read anything else, just read They That Wait. But there are mm -hmm. probably seven or eight books out there with my name on them. And um, I'd love for you to read them all. Yes. Then send me a note. Tell me what you think. And I'm in the process of getting ready to publish my next novel right now. That's excellent. And I have Dr. Joyce's information going across the bottom of the screen. Her webs, her email address is here. You can go ahead and write that down, take a screenshot of it. I want you that are listening and or watching and those that are going to watch in the months, years to come, <laughs> all over the United States and into mm -hmm. other countries where we air. I want you to go back and I want you to connect with Dr. Brown. She's just a wealth of knowledge that she has to share, not only through the books that she's written, but just even through the things that she has out there on the webs, on the worldwide web. You type her name in and see what comes up and read about her prefla of work that she has done and dedicated. She's not just talking the talk, but she has actually put in the work. And that for that, we are so grateful tonight. So I want to once again say thank you very, very, very much for being my special guest. You have caused me, Dr. Brown, to have to set the bar higher for the next guests that come on this podcast. So, well, thank you for the invitation. I, I was truly blessed to be with you tonight because I was wondering, you know, what can I really say to these people? <laughs> but um, you made it easy, uh, very conversational, uh, very focused. Um, and so I, I really appreciated the opportunity to be with you tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Brown. And I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer at this time. And I'm going to, once again, say thank you. And I do want to encourage those that are listening to purchase the books. Look on Amazon, type in Joyce A. Brown, amazon.com and purchase mm -hmm. not only one book for yourself, but purchase several books to sow into someone else's life. That's called mm -hmm. community. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you this evening thanking and praising you for another opportunity to call on our Father. Lord God, we know that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We know because of you, we live and we move and we have our very being. We thank you, Lord God, that throughout this podcast episode, we saw nothing but you. May not have talked about you, may not have quoted scriptures, but Lord, you were all in it. I saw a pattern through Dr. Brown's life that pointed directly to you, that your hand was on her life from a little girl all the way up into where she is now, a seasoned adult. I pray that you would continue to bless her, continue to bless her with overflowing blessings, blessings upon blessings. Lord God, so many blessings that she will not be able to contain what you're going to do and are doing for her. Thank you for her health. Thank you for her strength. Thank you for her mind. Thank you for her intellect. Thank you for her love. Thank you, Lord God, for the compassion that you have put down inside of her that spills over to all that comes in contact with her. Now, Lord, we pray that you, Lord God, would get the glory out of this podcast episode this evening. That, Lord God, you would hide us behind the cross tonight. That even though we share deeply about our lives experience, we want to point the audience right in the direction of you so that they could get a hold of a true relationship with you if they don't already know you in the pardoning of their sins. And if they do, we pray that their relationships would be strengthened even the more because of what they heard this evening. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory and we give you the honor and we give you the praise that's due unto you. In the sound matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. Thank amen. you. Thank you, Dr. Brown. I love you, my sister. I love you. Thank you so much. Even though Thank I'm you. a Delta, I'm your rivalry. I'm a Delta. <laughs> Look, I say this and we have to close. My best friend, who was my younger sister, was a Delta. We used okay. to cry together. <laughs> okay, that's okay then. I'm good. Well, that's all okay. Right. That's all right. Okay, Dr. Brown. Good night. All right. Good night. Thank you. The Lotus Flower Podcast, season number three, episode number 24, with my very best guest. Dr. Joyce A. Brown talking about building community. What a time, what a time, what a time we had this evening. I am so grateful to have had her on the podcast. I'll tell you, she has really caused me to have to set the bar higher because of what she shared. She talked about defining communities, the importance of community, especially among the African-American community. She spoke about knowing yourself in relation to your family and the community. And we concluded with talking about being inclusive of younger generations in community building work. Once again, this is the Lotus Flower Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Pamela Robinson, bidding you a good night, 
Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you find yourself at, because we are a podcast that streams globally all over the world and into different time zones. Thank you for joining me. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. Let YouTube know that you are enjoying the content of this podcast so that they can continue to post this site and continue to put out more of its content on their platforms. So once again, like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast, streaming live on the Dr. Pamela Robinson Facebook page and streaming live on the Lotus Flower YouTube channel. And as of Thursday, as I've had a chance to go in and audit the podcast, it will be uploaded to our audio platforms, which airs on whatever audio platform that you get your podcast. So that could be thousands of audio platforms whereby you can listen at your leisure 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Once again, join me next Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Lotus Flower Podcast. Bye-bye for now.